Hey everybody, this is Powerful Brandon coming at you. This is the Comics, Comics Paradox podcast. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the Elseworlds Superman Last Stand on Krypton. It is the sequel to the two-part prestige format Elseworlds Superman Last Son of Earth. Wonderful. Great cover. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, really I good. really, I really like the cover and and um, like they, it seemed like they did the same thing with the art, but it's kind of like more refined a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Uh, and joining me tonight, as ever, on this podcast where we talk about alternate reality titles are Leo Pond... And Justin Cooper. There's Leo right there. Say hi, Leo. Hello. My face is much bigger than his. (laughs) That's a a real point of contention here. (laughs) Back off a little. So how are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Doing well, doing well. Excellent, excellent. So you guys had a chance to uh, read the comic, I I assume? Yes. All right, good. No flying by the seat of your pants on this episode. Woo! It's a welcome change. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, um, as I was saying, I, this... nor- I normally read them all, but I I often forget them. <laughs> I cheat read everything. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> I looked at the cliff notes. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, this is a sequel to uh, to the last story that we we covered, um, uh, Superman: Last Son of Earth, which saw uh, a uh, Clark Kent, who uh, his father was an astrophysicist, Professor Jonathan Kent, who discovered an asteroid was going to hit Earth and cause an extinction-level event. So, like you do, he liquidated all of his assets, made a rocket, and sent his infant son into the cold void of space. As you do. Like you do. And uh, I I did that Thursday. Thankfully, the kid ended up in some kind of wormhole that brought him to Krypton, and uh, he was... Brought up by Jorel and Lara, who we know to be the biological parents of Kal-El, who was rocketed from the Doom planet Krypton to Earth in our regular canon. 
Um, and lots of fun and hijinks ensue from that point. Uh, but now we find ourselves covering the story that uh, takes place seemingly uh, 11 or 12 years after the end of that uh, that particular chapter. Uh, and we see exactly what Superman, uh, that is Clark Kent's decision to stay on Earth rather than go back to Krypton, means for that society that has been rebuilding itself uh, due to all the the catastrophes that occurred from the asteroid hitting for for decades uh so yeah that's that's where we we stand at the beginning of this uh our last stand on krypton and as you can see this this cover uh absolutely beautiful and like i've mentioned to you guys beforehand uh love the way it looks but on this cover i cannot i've never been able to help but think that it just looks like a combination of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in a Superman suit. Oh, interesting. I, I was thinking like a hint of Nathan Fillin in there. Wow, I don't see that at all. That's nuts. Okay. To, to me, it's the eyes and the wideness of the nose there. But um, I get, I get a little Captain Hammer from it. Well, Captain Hammer. Okay. See, I I just get like a oh, look. Kind of thing. Oh no, you're you're right because you've got you've got Stallone's jawline and and uh, Arnold's too and. Looks like Arnold's eyes there. Yeah, Arnold's eyes for sure. And like, he was like, I, I'm the son. And yes, you certainly <laughs> are, Arnold. Stop, my planet will shoot. <laughs> His lesser known film. You know, I think he did that between Oscar and Copland. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaving Earth, but don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> but he never was. My friend, Superman. <laughs> yeah, so so we see um, just here on the cover that you know we have uh, Superman um, represented here. This is definitely Clark Kent who made his way back. He had adapted to Krypton, so uh, on Earth he has very 1938 Superman level abilities. He can jump an eighth of a mile and can lift some heavy stuff, and nothing less than a bursting shell can penetrate his skin. Uh, and we we have some shots of uh, Lois Lane as well as uh, Jor-El Omar in their very classic attire from when Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster first created the characters, uh, which is a, a plot point that is visited at the very end of the previous installment where we see that Jor-El Omar have foregone the bio suits that were made popular by John Byrne's Man of Steel miniseries in 1986 post-Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, and in doing so, they're embracing their actual Kryptonian heritage uh, by by focusing on the culture that once was as opposed to the science that has taken over uh, and we will visit within this story what that means for the larger civilization of krypton in and of itself so let's uh let's do it to it gentlemen yeah uh do we want to note that it was written by steve gerber artist was doug wheatley uh letter was bob lapan and colorist was chris chuckery Yes, uh, the, the, I will say the um, the art in this is very much in line with the the previous installment. Uh, it does, as Justin you had mentioned, it, it's a it's a bit cleaner. Uh, the lines are, are mm -hmm. I think a bit sharper, um, and especially with some of the the stuff that does occur later in the story, there's a a, a little bit more um, dynamic playfulness that occurs within uh, physicality for some of the characters. I'll say. We, yeah, we did not get to see any of that more fantastical stuff uh, in the in the previous uh, in the previous book. So they they clearly they really understood that this was like the final chapter of the story they were setting out to tell, and they went balls to the wall with it. It's it's fun and insane in the best ways. So yeah, that's uh, that's the quick rundown, and uh, we we start off with uh, seeing 
uh, as we did on in the the previous uh, installment, uh, Last Son of Earth, that you know Clark Kent Kal-El has decided to stay on Earth shortly after he's um, used the last of his power ring cycle to help the people of Earth by cleaning their atmosphere with Kryptonian technology and even providing them with uh, the ancient texts from a library that he was able to salvage from the ruins of Themyscira. Uh, which their ancient texts are like even further farther advanced than some of the the biggest scientific discoveries of of man's world before the the catastrophe had struck um and you know they they give us a a, a rough year i think it's metropolis in the year 2000 if I'm uh, i think it's 2011 uh 2000 2000 yep uh, that's the that's when it, it starts showing the oh, okay. when, yeah when he go yeah. but then it, it does yeah, the next it, one yeah. is oh, so eleven years yeah I was I was close on eleven or twelve when I said it uh, that kind of remind you of the Baxter Building a little bit a little bit yeah I hadn't really thought of that until you said it but that makes a lot of sense I can see it uh, especially when you look at the coloring of it you know yeah a white building with a blue symbol I I do like the fact that because of the previous story i mean it's it's a superman else world altogether the all three parts of this um you know finishing with this third part here but uh he did not wear the the s symbol in the the previous books he was a green lantern because he had discovered a ring on krypton and the green lantern symbol on him it was pentagonal like we are familiar with the the shape of the superman insignia but there was no like S. There was no like oh, it means hope kind of deal going on. But here we see uh, he has adopted this S symbol, um, likely because of the fact that he has been you know known the world over as you know el the Kryptonian, the Superman, um, and it's just become part and parcel with who he is, how he represents Krypton on the planet Earth. Um, and we, we find them discussing, uh, you know, now Earth has formed a council, very similar to what we've seen on Krypton. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, they're pressuring uh, Kal-El to, you know, share more Kryptonian technology with them. And, of course, if you've read the, the other books and you, or you listened to our, our previous episode, uh, we know that Krypton, it was in a lot of trouble in its society. It was stagnating. Because uh, people were just focused on living for as long as possible, but not actually having lives. Um, and that all stemmed from just eons of war that they had been on on their planet due to their own technological and scientific advances. And then you get tool bags like, big surprise, Morgan Edge on the council pressuring Kal-El to, to share it more with them. Like, oh, why don't you want to share it with us? So, like, you afraid that we're going to be just as strong as you? Then you won't be so special? And um, I mean, it's nice to see that across like multiple realities that Morgan Edge is still a dickhead, no <laughs> matter what. You know, and for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he he is the owner of WGBS in the regular DC Comics continuity, um, Galaxy Broadcasting in Metropolis, and he is just a world class douchebag. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> but, um, I, I like to comment on the fashion here because Superman is absolutely crushing the cape in this. It, it's it's like a hang off the shoulder sort of deal. Um, he's got two buttons on his uh, on his neck. So Leo, correct me if I'm wrong, but that means he's what a lieutenant. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, in the uh, in the, the oh, Trek Star world. Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, 
But um, the the biggest thrill about this future uh, situation here is that hats are back, which I always hoped would happen. You know, we're, we're back to that and, you know, this high fashion area of everyone's got their hats. The previous page, uh, you've got uh, two people in Papa Smurf hats. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you know, it just they're super evolved. You know, they, it, they know what's good. It actually kind of makes sense that there would be some kind of like hat fashion. And I know that might sound silly, but when you consider the fact that the asteroid hit in the 60s, Mm-hmm. when hats were still like being worn and JFK hadn't like completely killed that trend by not wearing a hat during his inauguration. That is why hats fell out of fashion, by the way. Um, it was JFK's fault. <laughs> what? Do either of you watch Lower Decks? Yes. yes of, yeah. course. <laughs> of course. Oh, my, my helmet not big enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but it, it it does stand to reason, though, because hats would have been part of the fashion before, like, the fall of civilization altogether. And to see, like, the um, the continuation from the point that they would have had last combined with these technological advances. I mean, even looking at Perry White's clothing while he's sitting there talking with Kal-El, it's still very reminiscent of, like, an old-school outfit. Mm-hmm. You can still very much see Perry White wearing something like that nowadays, like the vest, the the button-down shirt. But it's it has that old-timey yet futuristic look at the same time. That's a, that's, a, that's a hard thing to pull off, especially in, like, in stills such, you know, panels like this. Uh, you know, and it like, shows prosperity, too. Like, the, the oh, fact yeah. that they can do things like wear, like, these silk sashes. And, and, like, I was joking about the hats, but realistically, they have enough to go around in this post-apocalyptic future where they can afford to make a giant red Pope hat, you know, to wear on the high council seat. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a great point you make, too. Like, you cannot make any mistake about it. Like, even though we're looking at the, these coming up, like we see what the the grandeur of the cities that they've been able to build up. This is a post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had an apocalypse and they moved past it, and they're trying to rebuild. This is they're still very much in the process. It's only been slightly over a decade, so they're they're still baby stepping it. And they they were able to hit some quantum leaps because of the assistance that Kalal gave them with Kryptonium technology. Uh, but the bone of contention here with the the council, as I said, is. They want Kal-El to share everything. And Kal-El is conferring with Perry White because he is just at odds with what they want. And knowing the history of Krypton, what that knowledge actually led to, he knows that Earth would follow the same destructive path. And without saying so much exactly what it was, like he mentions to Perry, like, oh, you know, it was a... It was a long war, and he's like, oh, yeah, why would a war be 100,000 years? That's insane. He goes, well, it was a matter of principle, Mr. White. And he was like, what? A religious war? And he's like, eh, kind of more, more philosophy, but yeah, kind of. And, you know, kind of leaves at that. And he's just like, well, you know, if you want to just put put a statement out there, here's the Daily Planet, man. Like, you just let me know. I'll I'll, I'll print whatever. And, uh, you know, Cowell's like, eh, I'll just shut my mouth and just go about my business and, and leave him to it. Um, and he's, you can tell he's, he's probably not quite as invested as he was when we saw him last. Um, he's being pushed away and it, it makes sense. The growing pains of them trying to figure out how they're going to rule. They, they've kind of got it locked down and he is probably feeling a bit superfluous, like extraneous at this point. Does the world need a Superman when they've been able to achieve so much? You know, let them continue on by themselves. And 
he's uh he's sort of making you can kind of tell he's doing like a goodbye tour here he's he's kind of hitting all the all the notes he's seeing all the people that welcomed him and he first met when he showed up on earth uh looking for his own origins in the last story and um you know he just as he's kind of doing that he gets news oh yeah morgan edge is is fucking getting everybody whipped up into a frenzy uh because that's what dickheads who want more power do uh and he was not really surprised by it and from that point we see him kind of move along um to uh you know prevent he's not giving a comment on anything and in the middle of a newspaper uh and decides to yeah you had it right leo you can go to the next page (laughs) he goes to visit martha kent his biological mom at we noticed the Jonathan Kent Memorial Observatory. Um, nothing like naming the Memorial Observatory after the one fucking guy that tried to tell everybody that there was a giant asteroid headed towards the planet. Talk about too little, too late. But uh, yeah, she, you know, he's he kind of gets it all out there, and she calls him on, and she's like, "Yeah, I know, I know, you're gonna leave. You you don't have to stay. Your work here is done. Like you you earned not having to be here. So just." go do whatever makes you happy. And I hope you, I hope you just like miss me a little bit, you know? And, and that's, that's really all we get from Martha in this. And that's enough. Uh, because... What about that tender moment where she admits the guilt of wanting to stay with her husband um, and sending her only child out into the stars. That one, that one kind of hit me. And I was like, Oh man. Yeah. It, it's, it's just interesting too, because you never really see that come up even with, like regular Superman stories where he's somehow able to talk with like Lara mm-hmm. and what, what have you. Um, there's never, there's never really stories that cover like her trying to be like, I'm sorry. You know, like I, I, I should have gone with you, but I just, I, I was so scared and I just wanted to stay with my husband. You know, and she's such a real person here, which is, which is cool. And, you know, it reminds me of like the Annette O'Toole uh, version from um, from Smallville and all that. Not that you know, she looks like her whatsoever. Right? It's now, funny you say that because I actually she I was actually reminded of Kay Callan from Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Oh wow! Okay. I actually really liked her as Martha Kent. Um, one of the I think best choices for that show. Her and um, oh, I feel awful. I can't remember the guy's name, but the 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 couple who the the actors who played uh, Jonathan and Martha Kent on that show. They were excellent. They really helped ground that character, and that's one of the most appealing parts of that show is that I'm not a big fan of Dean Cain as a person, <laughs> but one thing that can be said for that show, as hokey and goofy as it could have got, as it did get sometimes, was that Dean Cain actually played Clark Kent as a regular guy, and it was it's refreshing to see that when like most other representations were uh, like kind of harkening back to the 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 geek and the, the the awkward nerd that Christopher Reeve had really zeroed in on for the 1978 movie by Dick Donner. Um, but with this here, like I straight up felt like it was exactly the kind of thing that Kay Callan would have, would have been like if she were the, the Martha Kent of this particular story. Uh, she always had a very underlying sweetness and she was like the slightly older Martha, older Martha Kent, but she still was like so full like vim and vigor and just spunky as hell that you could like those were the kinds of kents that you wanted in superman's life uh just real quick uh it was eddie jones who eddie jones yeah thank you i wanted to say lane smith but that's the guy who played perry white great shades of elvis oh i forgot about him (laughs) he was actually i think my one of my favorite characters from that series 
Yeah, I actually like how they took the fact that he is from the South and changed it from Great Caesar's Ghost to Great Shades of Elvis for him. Because, um, like, my touchstone for that guy, aside from Lois and Clark, was he was the prosecutor in My Cousin Vinny. Yes. Ah, <laughs> identical. <laughs> Whatever uh, is a ute. I was, uh, I was oh, thinking um, oh, what? of uh, The Distinguished Gentleman, right, okay. with Eddie Murphy. Yep, yep. Okay, I haven't seen that movie in a dog's age. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, yeah that's deep cuts. I haven't thought of that one. Woo. Hey, guys, do you remember the 90s? Because uh, – uh, Barely. <laughs> yeah. I'll We're going to throw it all the way back to 1993. I'll tell you a little story later about Brandon High School and uh, an amount of LSD that could kill a pony. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not saying I did it, but I could have. <laughs> Uh, just real quick, I, I just wanted to make note uh, for my headcanon, uh, and it's, I'm probably wrong, uh, but her talking about, you know, staying behind, uh, at, you know, where she had a chance to go on a rocket. I connected that to the last uh, couple panels of the story. Yeah, for where sure. It could have happened, but it didn't. Yeah, um, definitely. And I mean, we'll get to that point. Yep. Uh, anybody listening? please keep in mind what Leo just said, because it definitely is a mirror. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, uh, maybe go so far as to say a little foreshadowing, yeah. um, but it, it is interesting to note the, what happens. I'll, I'll say that, but yeah, good call Leo. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get there and we can bring it up good. again. I did good. You, I did <laughs> good guys. Praise me. <laughs> oh, and everybody's favorite bald megalomaniac. Lex Luthor, ladies yep. and gentlemen, this guy, fucking bad news. Just, just sorry, this this guy is worse than Team Rocket, I tell you. <laughs> you know, so I mean, he will could... be blasting off soon. So, <laughs> indeed, um, I mean, we see him here, and he is considerably more decrepit than we had seen him in the the previous book. Uh, granted, we do know that eleven years has passed. Uh, and that is driven home again here when he is saying, like, you know, I've been in this cell for seven years. And then before that, I was the only uh, thing on two legs for four years before that on Arkham Island. Arkham Island. All right. That's that's fucking harrowing. <laughs> OK. Um, and basically says, like, like, they built this penitentiary around him. Uh, and he has basically, uh, we, we get the sense here that he's dying, uh, likely has cancer. Um, so he is a man who has nothing left to lose and Morgan edge being the absolute beam of light that he is goes to Lex Luthor because Lex is the only one that's ever come close to defeating Kal-El, uh, and says, yeah, I want your help in, you know, stopping him and getting all the secrets of his Kryptonian information so we can you know, do whatever we want with it. And Lex Luthor's thing's like, sure, I just need you to get me the fuck out of here and let me do whatever I want. And because Morgan Edge is a very moral and upstanding guy, his response is pretty much, okay. <laughs> That's how Lex Luthor re-enters our story, uh, having been removed as a prisoner for a, the better part, a little bit more than a decade. And uh, from there, we rejoin the lovely Captain... Lois Lane. Um, I don't know that you'd call it the resistance at this point, but yeah, she is, she is a captain in the military. I believe she makes mention of working with, uh, with Trevor. Uh, obviously we're talking about Steve Trevor here. 
Um, and they're trying to, was it, they're trying to determine, was it where Kal-El is? Uh, is that what it is? They, oh yeah, yeah. They, uh, they can't find him. He's just disappeared since that point where, you know, he's in the daily plan and they're like, Morgan Edge is being a dick. Do you have any comment? Uh, and he goes to talk to Martha and that's that, you know, she's like, leave. Well, Lois is like, uh, that sounds, that sounds not good. Why haven't we heard from him? Like he hasn't been this radio silent in forever. And because they were relatively close friends, it, it, you know, at the very least, which is kind of cool to see like they, that's pretty much the extent they're not, they're not like boyfriend, girlfriend. They're not necessarily romantically entwined. They just have like a, a very, very high level of respect for one another. Uh, and she is just like, all right, I think I, I have an idea of where he might've gone. Um, I, I was wondering, do you think that they had like a falling out or something like that? Because, um, it, it seemed like she was detached and that, that was the part where I was kind of like, Hmm, I wonder if they had like a thing going on and then it was like, I think, sort of I think weird. there might've been a romantic, uh, you know, tryst or something, you know, maybe they tried, you know, years back, but I don't think it was, uh, anything where they butted heads per se. I, it was just that they felt responsibilities for different portions of how the society and civilization was being rebuilt. His role was, you know, as a leader to, to guide them to the point where they could, you know, govern and have the knowledge necessary to do so. Whereas her job was to fight to make sure that that could survive. Mm -hmm. And that's why she remained with the military and did her thing. They just got pulled in different directions. And, I think that's a, a you know a pretty common tale in like passing ships and all that. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I can see that. not to say that they didn't try, but you know, one thing you can say is like they've always been like since the reveal of Clark being Superman to Lois in the comics. So that is um, actual full blown truthful relationship. They've always like had each other's back, and they've never been adversarial. And I feel like that probably leaks over into this reality as well. There's no need for butting heads. It's just hey you have to do your thing and I have to do mine. And, you know, maybe we meet again down the line when, when we don't have to do the things that we feel we need to. Um, and that being said, she's still doing her thing. And that's when she gets contacted and, and uses, you know, what knowledge she has of him as a person to kind of surmise where he might've gone. Um, and that's, you know, we, we get that on one page from her. And then the next is, you know, Kansas some days later. And we get, you know, fucking Lex Luthor in the backseat of a van doing his best impression of Freddy Krueger, apparently. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. Mouthing off to the, uh, <laughs> to the muscle head that was sent to procure whatever he needed. And, uh, you know, just driving out and, you know, you see the, the sign, um, that they're passing by that says Smallville, like 18 miles or something like that. And uh, Lex is giving the guy a hard time about his inventory of, of whatever tech that they needed and weapons. And, um, you know, they, they make their way from, from that point, you know, they see all this, he's talking, he's mouthing off. And all of a sudden you can see there's a blind blinding flash of light. And they're just like, Oh my God, what is that? And we go to the next page and see, a rocket ship shooting off from inside of the barn at what was the old Kent place. And um, they're just like, Oh man, is that, is that what I think it was? And Lex is like, Oh yeah, it definitely was. And uh, now, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of screwed the pooch here with me. So I'm going to get to do one of the things I want to do. I'm going to waste your ass. And he fucking pulls out a BFG and just 
Doom style. Fries them like goddamn Kentucky chicken. And uh, the next thing we see is Lois rolling up on a cool hover bike and uh, seeing the dead bodies of the cronies that Lex was with and um, realizing, like, yep, she and Lex both had the same exact idea about where they could find Kal-El back at basically where he originated. Um, and as she rolls up to the, the Kent barn on the farm, um, she's kind of seeing what some of the, the devastation from the rocket ship has wrought. And, um, you know, she's looking at some of the, the tech and dead bodies and she's like, oh, well, you know, whoever did this might still be here. And uh, as she creeps up, there he is, the man, the myth, the dickhead Lex Luthor. And he's he's going through what tech was left there. And uh, he manages to, like, in two shakes of a lamb's tail, make some friggin' Kryptonian tech drones, grabs Lois, and makes a makeshift rocket to fucking get into space more than likely. You know, it's like, it's been taken out of your hands. Oh, what what's he going to do with all that? We next come across Kal-El, um, Clark Kent Kal-El, making his way across the interstellar void um, and talking with uh, one of his robots. I don't know if it's Crypto or whomever, but, you know, he as they're approaching Krypton uh, from the wormhole that they just, they just passed through, the, the robot's telling him, like, uh, yeah, this is Krypton, but there's, like, a bunch of trees and stuff down there now, and there's, like, bodies of water and all the areas that used to be desert this is this is strange and uh they steadily approach and uh when they they come down uh Kal-El wants to go immediately to the house of l and as they're approaching he sees all the lush vegetation and you know airbound animals flying around and he's just his first reaction is great row mm-hmm. and you know, which is one of my all-time favorite Superman exc- exclamations. Like, great row, great Krypton! Do you ever uh, say that when you go in the uh, spaghetti sauce aisle and you see Rao's spaghetti <laughs> I sauce? Do. I do it, like, literally every time. I got one for you. My my cousin, her married name is Rao. <laughs> and she's a hyphenate, so she goes by Powers Rao, and I'm like, oh, I'm such a nerd that, like, I get <laughs> up on it every time. Every time. It's awesome. Now, has that been used in other Superman books besides this? Great Rao? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. He's definitely said it a bunch. I think he actually said it in the cartoon series, too, in Justice League. That does sound right. I need yeah. to watch that. Well, it's on HBO Max, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely in the Dark Mercy episode, you know, for the man who wants everything and all that. Uh, Black, Black Mercy. Black Mercy, yeah. Yes. So definitely in that one, uh, he'll say it, but... I, I want to say it's also in like the Vandal Savage one where he's in the future and the only thing left on the planet is Vandal Savage, which is just <laughs> it's bleak and beautiful at the same point. Man, Vandal Savage. I mean, I know I was I was saying that Lex Luthor is bad news, but whew, yikes and yowza, kids. Anyway, that's that's a character for a different time. Um, but yeah, so Calwell is approaching and he's he's just you know he's, he's incredulous he's like is this really the house of l like it's just so different and um you know of course the robot's taking him literally like these are the coordinates he specified and like, yeah thanks robot jeez uh and he makes his way in and he's trying to access the uh the uh security to find out what happened in the logs and uh everything had been like shut down and deactivated years hence uh, and so he he can't determine exactly what's gone down just by by checking out how it was recorded or whatever. 
um everything is strangely offline in the building and uh from there we see the uh the house of zod and this is where uh Kal-El's grandfather zeg l um is approaching imzod uh saying you know like hey you general you you uh will you take up the mantle of general and uh protect the interests of kryptonian society against these these rebels the this riffraff and basically saying like go kill the hippies <laughs> like, yep you know and um you know zod is just of course zod so he's like yes it's time to begin the cullings and uh he's all about it you know uh because because zod is also a, a fucking megalomaniac that's that's how they roll and um you know Kalel slowly making his way through this these areas that he can see are like being cultivated and uh as he approaches he sees his adoptive mother and father Jorel and Lara and they are you know adorned in their classic um outfits from the Schuster Siegel era which we had seen them in at the end of um Last Son of Earth and so she wears a go-go suit in that of course she does. That's that was all the rage on Krypton a hundred thousand years ago, apparently. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she's very Wonder Woman nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, there. no, seriously, that's yes. that's kind of where my head went. Yep. And, and I, I also it. thought of the Simpsons. Are you Mary Tyler Moore? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know it, they they're not wearing their bio suits. You can actually see that uh, Jorel isn't. Um, quite as fit as he once was in that suit he's a little older and you can see him getting a little maybe a little bit paunchy in in his stomach there in the bottom panel um and uh you know he's just uh you know he's just saying like wow this is this is great you guys this is miraculous what you guys have done and you know I, i never could have imagined when i left that this would be what you all would be doing in the time that i was gone and uh you know they they say to him like well it's great that you think it's awesome, but <laughs> yeah, everybody else that's not here in the commune with us thinks that we're the fucking devil. Uh, and I mean, which we know because we just saw Jorel's own father asking Zod to fucking take them out. Um, and of course, Jorel, I mean, Kalel is just like, but why? Why would they? Why would they hate this? And who? Who? Who would? Who would have such a problem? And Jorel. Being Jorel is like, well, my dad, the Council of <laughs> Elders, you know, those folks, just the, the the people with the best sense of humor on the planet, Kal-El. What, what did you think? And, um, you know, it's it's just, you know, he thinks that, like, oh, you know, it's too bad that they're uncomfortable with it. And, you know, Lara's trying to explain, like, it's not that they're uncomfortable. They're like, they're angry and afraid and offended by what we're doing. This is This is like sacrilege. Uh, and I can understand, especially for Kal-El having been away and on Earth in a very different type of society in that time, coming back and being like, kind of trying to wrap his head back around where he was actually brought up. Like, this is silly. Why would they do that? And it's like, oh, because they're all fucking maniacs. Like, they're, they're fanatics about reason. It's like Vulcans versus hippies, basically. You know, they, they want everything to be ruled by science and logic and don't have fun or emotions. And you know, Jorel and Lara are like, no, we're gonna like grow flowers and read books and and you know do the ill freaky nana. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how that goes down. Lovins too. That, that's some ill freaky nana, the horizontal mambo, the baloney bop. <laughs> you know. Um, so let's see here. Oh, oh, yep, yep. There we go. Um, we have 
we have them showing uh, Kal-El that they're employing the same cloning technology that actually like caused the wars for like a hundred thousand years on Krypton, but they're doing it in order to uh, to repopulate the planet with uh, long extinct animal life. Uh, they're not trying to do the the unethical things that have been done with cloning, like using you know, uh, for lack of a better term, human, you know, cloning people to, for spare parts or anything like that, abominations. They're trying to, like, make their planet an actual planet filled with flora and fauna. Um, and it took a little while, but they found the the data in some of the ancient, um, like, cores that were hidden for, for eons. You know, this and, is Pokemon, right, here. That's why you said Team Rocket earlier, because they're essentially taking Pokeballs and they're making Pokemon out of it. Sure. Krypton rhinoceros, I choose you. See, I was going to do the whole Jurassic Park thing. I, I was gonna, I was gonna tell everyone um, who's listening, um, and and hopefully our good friend uh, uh, Patsy is listening. That is uh, a monoclonius, which is a <laughs> uh, a single horned dinosaur of the uh, Triceratops ilk that uh, was known for its single horn. So, Joe Roll standing by like. I understand your pain, my friend. I am also horny. <laughs> <laughs> As we all find out. <laughs> Indubitably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Th- so they're going through and they're showing him, like, you know, we're using the same cloning technology, which is part of the reason why uh, the, the Council of Elders is losing their collective shit, uh, because they're afraid that, you know, we're going to, like, re-spark the Clone Wars, but we're not using it the way that they would have. We're doing it for the betterment of society without hurting anyone. Uh, but they just can't wrap their heads around it. And so their reaction is one of, of fear and resentment. Uh, and in the midst of this, or right at the tail end of this explanation to Kal-El about what they've been doing with their society, uh, Jor-El actually receives a communication from his own father, Zegel, um, just saying like, hey, just give me a quick heads up. This is your final warning. And Jor-El's just like, what, fucking warning? For what? Like, are you not going to come over for Thanksgiving? What's happening here? And uh, that's when, you know, Ziggel is just like, oh, well, I, I shouldn't be telling you, but, you know, like, I kind of care. So Zod's going to show up and fuck your shit up. <laughs> like, and uh, he's just like, when? And he's like, oh, uh, currently. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I did it 25 minutes ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he's he's giving him that. And then, of course, Zegel ends it with, oh, and by the way, um, you're not my kid anymore. I disown you. You're no longer a member of the House of El. And so that's that's how that ends. And Jorel's just like, cool. I didn't even like care that much about being your son anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so just a couple days after that, like we just got a quick jump. Um, we see a, a ship, uh, a stellar ship of some kind, hitting the surface of Krypton and crawling out from it at the bottom of the page, we see Lois Lane, who is clearly having a very difficult time breathing. Why would that be? Because Krypton's gravity is like 10 to 20 times that of Earth's. So she's not doing great, gang. Meanwhile, Lex Luthor walks up behind her and that dude's been a busy little bee on the fucking spaceship ride. He created himself an exoskeleton that will allow him to move and breathe without any trouble. As he explains to Lois, while she's dying in front of him on the surface of Krypton. But you know, he can't just leave her there. So he has his fucking new droids that he created on Earth and traveled with them. Pick her up and and bring her along. Because 
you know, what's travel without a companion, right? And oh, uh, what was it? His droids or, or yeah, was the, the Kryptonian droids that uh, captured them. No, these are these are his. Oh wait, maybe, oh yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Um, yeah, because no, no, they're no. grabbing him as well. No, no, no. They're they're his droids because they're bringing him to where he wants to go. Like she even oh, says, okay. "Did you did you so did your damn ro robots tell you how to deal with this?" Um, so yeah, that he those are the same ones he had grab her on Earth. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like little brainiacs too. Yeah, I, I I noticed that as well. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and so he sits there with her and she's just like on a floating chair and she's like, I can't really do anything. So I'm going to sleep, <laughs> you know, cause breathing is a struggle. And, uh, like it just says like hours later, more hours later, later still. And, uh, you know, Lex Luthor is just like stupid unimaginative fools as if I could be defeated by boredom after 11 years on Arkham. And, uh, it, shortly after that in walks, uh, General Zod. And he's speaking Kryptonese. And Lois, of course, is lost. She's like, I, I have no idea what that guy is saying. And uh, Lexus is like, oh, he's he's just playing games. Just, you know, it's baby shit. Watch this. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Lex Luthor just starts speaking in fluent Kryptonese. And Zod himself is like, what? You speak in my language? And uh, he, uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And uh, handed him a Vegemite sandwich. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he he can't says, wait till yeah. he chunders. <laughs> well, well, man, wait till you see what comes from down under. Uh, <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yowza, wowzers, gang! And they uh, you know, they have a little uh, mini tête-à-tête -tête here, uh, and it, it comes to the point where you know he's like, oh yeah, there's a there's this troublesome dude, Kal-el, that was on my planet Earth, and he's uh he's just he's not a good cat. I came here to stop him because. You know, I want to make sure he doesn't destroy your civilization, too, because, you know, Luther is such an altruist. And, um, you know, he, you know, Zod's trying to make sense of it. He's like, oh, well, if Kal-El returned, we'd know. But, you know, the sensors didn't detect his power ring. And, you know, we didn't see any alien spacecraft. And Luther's like, well, yeah, dummy, that's because he's not a fucking Green Lantern anymore. So you wouldn't detect the ring. And uh, he fucking flew a Kryptonian ship here. Last time I checked, you guys are Kryptonians, right? Why would you notice your own ship? You wouldn't have even seen me in a Kryptonian ship if I hadn't crashed it right into your planet. So here we are. And, um, you know, he, he's he's just like telling him, like, you, there's more to uh, the, the character of Kal-El than you know at this point, man. Uh, let me let me help you. And, uh, you know, because I was just like, I don't know where he would be then. And Lex's response there on the last page is like, where would he cause the most trouble if he were here on Krypton? And that brings us right to <laughs> the commune that Jor-El and Lara have started. And uh, we just see that they're playing around with the animals and, uh, you know, everybody's having a great time. But all of a sudden, some of those drones pop up from Luther and uh, they they really fuck some people and animals up. Like they mutate them and they're they're just horrible looking and. I mean, it was just like instant, terrible death. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, drones themselves uh, were fitted with the House of Zod symbol. So, you know, because why not sign your work? Right, Zod? Yeah. 
and uh, we move we move on to see exactly what kind of um, devastation has been has been wrought upon these folks, and uh, you can see just like how how gross and nasty. Like, I mean, I think people have eyes growing out of the top of their heads and what have you. It's it's not great. It's a pretty bad scene. Uh, oh yeah, like this animal here has all kinds of weird stuff at the top right corner panel. Like I don't even know what the hell that shit is growing out of them. Um, what do you think's creepier if something has a bunch of eyes on it or if something has a bunch of mouths on it? Oh man. That's a toss up, right? It really is. Like that's both, I think. <laughs> like it, you know, it, it reminds me of um just the the show Gravity Falls like towards the end where Bill Cipher like goes full on. Oh like, yeah. Absolutely horrifying. And like this was a children's show and I don't do well with body horror. It's not my bag. I don't like body horror. I mean, I'll watch it. But it skews me out. I'm, I'm, I get squeamish with it. I'm like, no. And I'm watching this Disney cartoon, and Bill Cyber just goes, "Hey, how about I switch around? I shuffle all the functions of your head holes." And all of a sudden, this fucking dude's eyes become mouths, his mouth becomes an eye, his ears become his nose, and his nose becomes an ear. And then they scream, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to sleep for a week now. <laughs> it, I mean, like I said, it was a cartoon. It, there was no blood or uh, like ultra violence involved, but I was like, that's horrifying. And when I see stuff like this, it's it's right there in the same vein. I'm like, ah, that skews me out. Um, but yeah, these 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 folks and these animals, they they were just laid to waste without a moment's hesitation with whatever kind of weird radiation it was that Luther had outfitted those drones with. And, uh, you know, of course, Kal-El being the, the leader he is and, you know, the, from the things he's experienced with helping build another civilization, like from out of the frying pan and into the fire, really, is this whole situation for him. Uh, he's telling them, like, all right, you know what? You're, you're having war waged upon you, whether you like it or not. You're going to have to fight back. And Jor-El's whole bag is like, dude, we're, we're scientists and artists and academics. Like, we're not fighters. And he's like, yeah, but... You build a society, you're leading these people. Why don't you ask them if they think it's worth fighting for and make your moves from there? And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of where we, we leave them at that point. And, uh, of course, Superman, uh, Superman, Kal-El figures he's going to try to take some some uh, actions himself. Uh, from just, just real quick, I want to yeah. know uh, that I don't think we mentioned it was uh, Kryptonian poisoning. Kryptonium, yeah. Kryptonium, yeah. Yeah. What you said. Kryptonium, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Kal-El goes to confront his grandfather and, um, you know, and he's like, grandfather. And he's like, well, I don't have a son anymore, so you can't possibly be my grandson. It's like, wow, you're really sticking to your guns there, buddy. Good for you, I guess. And, um, you know, he's just like, why would you do that? You butchered all of those people just because, like, you didn't agree with them and they did nothing to hurt you. And, his whole thing is like, oh, it's necessary because, you know, the ends justify the means. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just like if you want to if you want to blame anyone, you can't look at me. Look at your own father because he started this. So I'm going to finish it. And, um, you know, Kalo's just like I thought maybe I could talk with you and reason with you and have you like actually see what it is that's going on. And um, I guess that's just not possible. And his grandfather's like, yeah, you're right. It's not. Uh, get him the fuck out of here, and then they give him the old zapparoo with some cool Kryptonian guns. And, uh, you know, the next thing we see past that, we know now that, you know, he's captured, going on to the next page. And he was so mean. He didn't, you know, his grandfather didn't give him any hard candies either. 
<laughs> no, yeah. no Werther's Originals here, buddy. <laughs> not even not even a Luden's cough drop next to some car keys. Too bad. Um, but he wakes up, find, finds himself strapped to a table with Luther hovering right over him. And, of course, Kal-El right off of that is like, wait, what? Where, where am I? Is this Earth again? How the fuck did I get back here? And Luther's like, oh, no, no. I'm the strange visitor from another planet here. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the pit of ultimate despair from uh, Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's like, try not to say <clears throat> Try not to say anything. You save your energy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he's, got, he's got some tanks of stuff hooked up to whatever it is that Kal-El is strapped to. And, uh, you know, he, he starts off saying, like, oh, you know, um, you know, Kal-El tries to warn him, like, oh, dude, this culture is, like, super xenophobic. You're not from here. They're going to they're gonna tear your ass apart. They're not going to tolerate you. And that's when Lex stops. like, ah, 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 not so fast, buddy. Uh, General Zod and I, we are getting along swimmingly. <laughs> and, and then he just says, let's try the vanilla. And you're like, what? That's so weird. And uh, then, you know, he's like, you're, in, you're, you're working with Zod? That, uh, what's going on? And, and Luther's still just paying more attention to what he's doing to Kal-El. He's like, huh, there's nothing happening to you with the vanilla. Hmm. Well, you know, see, right now you're being exposed to Kryptonium. And uh, it comes in three isotopic flavors, pistachio, vanilla, and cherry. I call them. And uh, he was like, Luther, you have to stop. You, you'll never make it off this planet alive. He's like, ah, you know, I'm, I, I'm cleverer than you think, buddy. And uh, then he's like, I wonder if like a more concentrated dose. How about two scoops of pistachio? And that's when he hits him. And you realize pistachio means green kryptonium. And he whacks Kal-El with it in the lower right panel we see there. And it fucking hurts. Uh, and this is, this is you know, as Lex was giving him a description of what it does to Kryptonians, this, this radiation. But Earthlings seem to have a little bit more resistance to it. And that's why he decides to up the level of radiation he exposes Kal-El to. And, and, you know, it's doing exactly what we would expect Green Kryptonite to do to Superman from the canon we know. Um, and Luther is using this as a means to try to extract information through torture about what uh, Jarrell's uh, defense capabilities are, um, what his arsenal is, what have you. And then we, we just come back to Jorel standing in front of the, the, the entire commune and just saying, like, you know, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom doing the yeah. our thing. And, uh, you know, that's really what it boils down to. You don't need to, like, delve too much more into that. Like, he's he's basically listened to Kal-El, and they realize they have something worth fighting for, so they may as well fight for it. Um, and it brings us right back to the torture of Kal-El by Luther. And uh, we see he's just still being exposed to the green uh, kryptonium, the pistachio kryptonium. And, uh, you know, he's just saying, like, there's no, there's no weapons there. There's no arsenal. They're just scientists and scholars. And Luther's like, I don't believe you. Let's do a triple dip cherry. And clearly this is red kryptonium. And as soon as it starts hitting Kal-El's cells, he starts mutating and, like, growing. And it's pretty gross. Like, it's it clearly very painful. But he's, it's like, imagine Steve Rogers being given the super serum and then going into the chamber for the vita rays to activate it. Uh, only you get to see everything inside that happened 
Mm-hmm. And it's all incredibly painful. That's what we're seeing here. Um, Callow was already like a pretty robust guy, clearly about six foot two to six foot four, in good shape. He had some abilities on Earth because of his adaptation to Krypton, Krypton's environment. Um, but Lois Lane, watching all of this, is seeing Callow just being fucking destroyed and mutated by this red Kryptonium radiation. And she's basically just the the gingerbread man from Shrek at this point. She's like, "You're a monster," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Lex is like, "Yeah, no shit. I thought we all knew that." <laughs> you know, but I will say, Lex did stick her in some kind of like hyperbaric chamber, so she's not like dying while she's like waiting to get you know her turn to get tortured. Kind of um, similar to the one the baby was in. Yeah, exactly. It may very well be like the same chamber for all for all we know. Um, but you know, we, we, we just see that he's, he's, I mean, that last panel that it looks like, you know, Calwell is down for the count. I mean, we see a couple of fingers in that mass that's squishing with like splooging blood. It, it doesn't look like it's, you know, could this be the end of Krypton Superman tune in next page? And, uh, you know, we, we move right along and as Lex is speechifying in front of the chamber that Lois is being kept in, all of a sudden we get Red Hulk. I mean, Cowell. Yeah. This is um, clearly the Hulk. Yeah. Clearly the Hulk for sure. Um, he is just fucking gigantic and his eyes are glowing with energy and, uh, he, he is just, uh, clearly a fucking ball of pain and he throws Luther and he he's uh you know not be he's not able to to um verbalize anything he's just making those typical <laughs> noises like you would expect from a hulking brute of some kind mm-hmm. and um you know he he actually breaks the glass of the chamber that Lois is being kept in and he goes <laughs> and Lois in classic lane fashion goes took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> and uh he he grabs her and She's like, you know, let's let's get the fuck out of here before they they come for us. And so he picks her up and just jumps out of the building. And holy crap, he's on Krypton and jumping pretty fucking far. Like he is now surpassed like any physical level he had once had before. And uh, Lex, of course, looks at it like, well, fiddle dee dee. What was that? I suppose that was the right combination. And so he's uh, he's got the the bath of uh, red kryptonium radiation streaming down from uh, this device he has there, and uh, he decides to stick himself underneath it real quick. And uh, we we cut back, you know, because he's mouthing off to Zod, and you know he's like, "Destroy the alien, alien." <laughs> and, and, uh, oh, I I took that as they were gonna put uh, Luther to death. Oh yeah, yeah. Destroy the alien. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I took it as Luther just saying, you know, uh, I I don't abide by failure myself, and I'm just gonna kill myself. Yeah, let me let me do it for you. I, I owe you that much, and so he steps into the Kryptonium, the red Kryptonium radiation. Uh, where we we see where uh, Calwell lands with with Lois, and um, he's starting to like kind of regulate and come back down his skin and everything he's starting to look a bit more on the normal side his skin tone is is more correct but he's still like gigantic Mm -hmm. and um he straight up says he's like i feel stronger than i did even on earth and uh meanwhile lois is like there on the surface and she's like that's great 
I'm dying. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. You're like me when I was a stupid baby. Let's go. And so he, he picks her up again, and he, he's like, we need to find my father because obviously Jor-El has some experience with having humans be able to survive on Krypton. Um, and it's very cool. Uh, it's not something that you see very often that they make mention of. Uh, not that I've ever seen it in any other canon, but uh, Krypton apparently has two sons in this canon. I never thought Don't they that. say by the twin sons of Rao or something? Oh, or do they? Do some, they? Something like that. Like, I, I remember there was something. Yeah, you may be right, man. I, you know, I, I love Superman, but I don't know everything. So I, I digress. I, I, I defer to you, sir. Um, I feel like if if I know this, I know this because of Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Like okay. that would be the only reason I know it if if it exists. Fair enough. Um, but what that brings us to now is uh, we see Lex Luthor saying, "Oh, that will that'll do, pig. That'll do." And he uses <laughs> a a finger. I know I'm going to rephrase that because that's not yeah, he he uses mind bullets from his finger. To, I was going to say finger blast, guys. All right. <laughs> um, but Magic he, missile. He, he uses uh, clearly some new abilities that he has gotten from this mutation that the red Kryptonium uh, caused in him. And he's, his head is bigger. He's clearly got a larger brain. Uh, he became the leader, obviously. Um, that's how I looked at it. Because Superman you have the Hulk and you have the leader. Yep. So Superman, Lex Luthor, Hulk, leader. There you go. Um, I think it's I, I, I don't know if that was intentional, but I love it regardless. It, it, it's something I always got a kick out of. Um, it's like, oh, what if what if it had been a Kryptonian bomb that, that Bruce Banner had gotten exposed to? Uh, but yeah, so we see that Lex um, can stop their their laser gun ammo, or whatever midair. It, you know, there's nothing they can do to hurt him. And uh, on top of that, he also has. Uh, telepathic abilities he's reaching out to touch minds and he's able to read the history that uh, of krypton from from zod and other people around he's like oh yeah you know what uh, Kalo was right you people are fucking dangerous and he was probably right to not share any shit with us but it's okay because <laughs> i'm gonna take it all anyway doesn't matter and um you know they he sees that they were just full-on hedonistic and it was fed by their science and that's what caused centuries of war. And obviously we know the hedonism portion is because of the cloning. They could live without consequence and just destroy these living organisms that they brought into the world. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's just saying like, it's kind of ridiculous that you people live the way you did. And if it weren't for this fucking alien from my planet that lived on yours, that you'd all be dead. Yep. You know, and which is exactly the same kind of point that Kal-El made in last son of earth, where he said, I saved this planet with an alien trinket that any of you would have destroyed if you had found it simply because it wasn't from here. And uh, Lex is coming to the same realization, <clears throat> but in a much more roundabout way. Uh, and it is interesting for him to not realize necessarily that he is hitting the nail right on the head for Kal-El's reservations about why he left earth. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, he, he then says to, to George, to, uh, to General Zod, like you're all you're all dead men walking. You should have died, you know, like a decade and a half ago. Uh, so, you know, it, you and your entire species are degenerates. And as long as you're still around, you know, you could just I could just degrade you all one more time. I'll just use your army 
that you have and overthrow your ruling council of Krypton and just be the biggest badass on this planet. I don't care. And, um, you know, you, you want all that same shit too. And you're so pathetic. All I can see over and over in your head is kneel before Zod. And it's like, oh, you snuck it in. You got it. <laughs> you got it in there. We, we, we at least saw it. He didn't even say it himself, but man, oh man, Lex Luthor and General Zod working together on Krypton to take out Superman. Ah, it's the pause that refreshes. And, um, you know, as, as we, as we see him kind of, um, making, making use of his newfound telepathic abilities and then, uh, turning Zod's army against him and, you know, for his own purposes, uh, to, to do whatever he wants on Krypton. We see that Kal-El and Lois have made their way back to Jor-El and Lara's commune. And um, Jor-El and Lara have been able to fit Lois with a, a suit much like what Kal-El used to have. So she can actually move and breathe and, you know, at, not die with, within 10 minutes of just being out on the fucking surface of the planet. And as they're talking, she's like, oh, yeah, no, it's a really good fit. Wait a minute. What? Why do I understand you now? <laughs> and Jor-El just like, oh, yeah, I... Uh, I, I just uh, I just installed the translator device uh, on your headset. It's it's pretty easy. Uh, Kal-El's robot, who was there on Earth, was able to program it for uh, Kryptonese and your Angulish language. <laughs> to which Kal-El's like English, Dad, two syllables, <laughs> like, it, it, which I loved. Like it, it really spoke to like the relationship they had had before he became a Green Lantern and stuff because. There definitely was like a bit of a smartassery thing coming from Cal all the time, and uh, more power to Jor-El as a Krypton, like putting up with it and actually getting a kick out of it. So that definitely helped lead them to where they are now. Um, and uh, they're they're talking about how Crypto had helped to program the translator, and Crypto comes in with like, "Oh, hey, Master Kal-El, I I made new clothes for you, but uh, your increased bulk." made the process take so much longer because the guy is like as big as the fucking broadside of a barn now um and i just want to point out he lost all his clothes except for his cape damn straight he did yeah well that's because the cape is symbolic although if you listen to some of the jackholes that i argued with recently online uh, apparently the trunks are the most symbolic part of superman's outfit which really yeah i'm dead serious man in a in a superman group that i am a member of so, like I was like, listen, if you like the trunks because it's what you're used to, just say that. That's fine. But understand, like, it is an outdated look. It really is. It it doesn't really have a place in like today's society. Back then, it made sense because of strong men from the circus and all that. But you know, everybody freaks out when Superman loses his trunks. Nobody really said shit when we got rid of Batman's. Nobody even noticed. Nobody cared. I mean, that's that's the thing. Your new Fifty Two and all that. You lost that with Superman and. We gained the least popular Superman version that we've ever had. Yeah, but yeah. that, but, but one thing like correlation is not causation. <laughs> you know, like it's not like this new Superman, new Fifty Two Superman wasn't successful because he didn't have trunks. There was a lot of issues with the. No, new I mean movie. there there was controversy about it, and they they took him in a completely different direction. And I mean, I don't know if New Fifty Two is considered an Elseworld at this point. You know, um, because it happened and there's people from that continuity in, you know, the Rebirth universe now. So I, I don't know. And um, and I mean, going back to Convergence and all that, you know, you, you have like all of those things in there, like different versions of people. So 
you know, yeah. but well, the the I think with one of the most recent crises or whatever the fuck they call it in DC now, uh, they they came to the the whole thing with like everything has happened, everything matters, every story has occurred, and everything means something. So like that that would say that New Fifty Two definitely happened. Um, it's something to be acknowledged, but it's been moved on from. So I, I can dig on that. Sure, we just absorbed. It's it weird party. too. Like, oh with yeah, New, with New Fifty Two, like. They kept Blackest Night and they kept the Green Lantern continuity going through. And they're like, all right, this is canon. This is still going. And you're like, okay, what about everything else? And they're like, different. No, not that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 no. (laughs) I think they announced that uh, with the Flash movie, everything is going to become a revelation of where everything's canon and everything's all interconnected. Uh, on the movie side as well. Hey, you know, it, that, a movie and TV, like you know, that makes it a true DCEU, like they've been <laughs> saying for a long time, and I'm 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 fine with that. I mean, oh. it, it is amusing to me. Like we're doing all kinds of stuff on like multiversal type stories, you know, alternate mm-hmm. realities, and um, Marvel is really starting to touch upon that stuff with like What If and Loki on Disney Plus. Uh, but I mean, when it comes to all this multiverse, multiverse stuff occurring in these live action renditions of these stories and characters, uh, DC has actually been doing that for a few years now. It's it's not something that yeah, Legends is, of Tomorrow was that was the premise. Yeah. yeah. And it, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's not anything new. And uh, I mean, Marvel, you can say a lot about what Marvel has done for sure and how they've they've obviously dominated the box office, but when it comes to this interconnectivity and the idea of uh, multiple realities converging and being able to play with one another, they have been doing that with DC for, for a while. Uh, they, yeah. Since 1985, at least. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, but I, but I mean like in, in, in like live action medium and stuff like oh, that. Like, okay. Yeah. They've been, they've, they started doing that with, with the shows. And then, I mean, it was a big deal that Ezra Miller showed up in the crisis on infinite earths crossover for the CW as Barry Allen, the flash meeting the CW Barry Allen flash. Like that was, that was huge. And not only that, but like the fact that the CW flash seemingly gave Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, the idea for the name, the flash, because he was like, what do you call yourself? The flash, the flash. You know, like you could tell, like that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, um, and, and that was really cool. But up to that point, we had not seen anything like that. And now that we're moving into like what's a more widely known uh, cinematic universe with the MCU, people are like, oh, look at Marvel's fucking crushing this. They're 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 reinventing the wheel. It's like no, they're actually not. They're doing the same thing that the other guys have been doing for like five or six years now. Like this is if you've been paying attention, they they really have like been spanning across stuff. Um, but you know that regardless of all that <laughs> getting getting back to what we were saying here um we we have we have these these guys all getting ready to gear up he's putting on his extra 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 large uh suit which i guess he does he didn't need the cape made because it stayed attached like leo had said um and uh we have them move on to see uh you know what they can do with the animals and and what tech they have, what information they've been able to pull from ancient texts. And uh, Lois is like, well, the good news is because none of you have any military experience. I'm your gal because I'm Captain Lois Lane from earth. Let me tell you how we're going to do this. And uh, they're kind of looking at what they, you know, they're taking stock of what they have. And uh, 
Calwell picks up this little thingamabob and hits the button on it and accidentally zaps Lois with it. And she's like, ah, and she disappears. And Jorel is like, oh, hey, no, point it exactly where you had it pointed and hit the button again. And she comes back and she's just like, it was so weird. I was like here, but not. It was shadowy and I could see and hear you, but you couldn't. You couldn't see, you can hear me or see me. And like my voice, I couldn't even make a sound. It was like I was a phantom in some <laughs> kind of zone. She didn't say the zone part, gang. <laughs> we, we knew exactly what it was by how he was holding it. Oh, of course. Yeah. It, it has, it has like a, a green lantern kind of design to it as well. Like the way the handles uh, have always been like, I mean, that phantom zone projector is always, that's a classic design. Yeah, uh, that's something that's not really changed much in in the decades since its introduction. Um, but of course, once she's back, Lois is like, "Wait a minute, I can think of a few ways we can use this." Right after Jorel's like, "Oh, thank God you're alive. I've never tested that on a living thing before." Woo! <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Jorel, you gonna tell me you've been playing around with that, but there wasn't any kind of tiny little animal you could have zapped that thing with? Wow. Yeah, they <laughs> right. could just replace it by cloning. Right. Oh wait, is that a slippery slope? Who knows? Uh, I yeah, I never know. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we we see that uh, moving forward, there is now a gigantic army amassed. Uh, we see Kryptonian battle suits, like full on like battle tank suits, like what uh, Superman had utilized uh, to come across the ocean floor in the Return of Superman story arc uh, when he came back from the dead. And, uh, you know, Lex Luthor is, is you know, controlling it all. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got full-on uh, big head brain powers. Nobody can really screw with him. And uh, he's already decided, like, oh, yeah, you, you think you're better than me because you're Kryptonian? Fine. And goes right to um, Zegel, uh, Jor-El's dad, and rips his bio suit, like, right off him, just completely destroys it. And he tells him, like, oh, yeah, without that suit, you're going to, like, feel that 450 years you've been alive real quick. And uh, he just starts wasting away and, and dying like nobody's business right then and there. Uh, pretty brutal way to go, honestly. Um, and, you know, Lex is going to go along his merry way to fuck up as much shit as he can. And uh, in his last, you know, the th- last uh, breaths, Zegel is able to reach out to Zorel to say, like, hey, I don't have a lot of time. He's already looking very decrepit, and he's just like, you know, Zod is dead, and uh, the alien Luther has a mut- mutation, and he's controlling the army with some monstrous power. He's coming, and you can't stand against him. You have to run. You know, Rao be with you, my son. And so he's clearly said, like, okay, I was wrong. You're my kid. I fucked up. I'm dying. Just please don't die too, you know. And that's it. That's the end of Zegel. He is basically he mummified like right before everyone's very eyes. And um, now they're realizing that <clears throat> you know Lex Luthor has whatever power, but also all of the strength of Zod's army behind him, and he's coming to fuck shit up. And uh, <clears throat> now they have to make moves, and uh, the army is is rolling up on where they've built this new society. And Luther has kind of decked himself out in uh, semi-Kryptonian garb because that's just how he rolls. And uh, he's he's telling them to like look for all the rebels, the hippies, or whatever. And nobody can find anyone. They they came there to kill, and they got nobody to kill. 
and this angers the Luthor. I hate when that happens. Oh, it's the worst, right? All dressed up and no one to fucking murder. Yep. And we uh, he then he's just like, wait a minute, why is the ground shaking? And all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of gigantic uh, Kryptonian beasts with people riding them and taking out large swaths of the army right there before his very eyes. And Lex's reaction is just, where the devil did those things come from? Very measured, all things being equal. And um, then it keeps happening in different portions of their formation. Like, they, they just start appearing out of nowhere, and they're just fucking Luther's regime up left and right. And uh, <clears throat> Lois is, you can see Lois giving uh, Kal-El commands, like, all right, him with phase two. And now they have birds that they're flying that shoot flames, yeah. like, flame birds. Hmm, where have we heard that before? That's an old Some sort story. of Nightwing. Yeah. Yes, a Nightwing for a flame bird. Ooh, sounds like characters from Silver Age Superman comics. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really jacking up Lex's Zod army. Um, and, you know, <laughs> they're still, you know, Clark, I mean, Kal-El is still utilizing the, the Twilight Zone, um, the uh, Twilight Zone, yeah, I'm sorry, Phantom Zone projector to uh, reintegrate everyone back from the Phantom Zone. And you know, he's actually beating Lois the Punch. He's like, I know, phase three. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, which I love. It's so droll and still very like Clark and Lois. And um, because of that, like, Lex is just looking around trying to figure out what's happening. And he sees the flash of the Phantom Zone projector. He's like, oh, there you are, you little shit. <laughs> and he uses his mind bullets to, you know, rip apart the structure that they're in. And, uh, you know, Superman, uh, Kal-El tries to jump away with <clears throat> Lois. And uh, Luther ends up grabbing him with his tele- telekinetic abilities. And uh, Lois, he, you know, Clark is able to drop her down. And um, it's great because Luther is just like, you know, I'm just trying to annoy you. And Kal-El's reaction is, you have succeeded. <laughs> and he just walks at him, yeah, f- brandishing his gigantic Hulk-like fists. But a little, little bitty cape. <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny little cape. Like, dude, what is this, a cape for ants? And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we, we move along and we see, um, you know, the, the power on display, Lex's mutation versus uh, Kal-El's mutation, mind versus matter, and um, they are just going at it, and uh, Lex thinks that, you know, like, if I just drop these things on Kal-El, it'll be done, and, uh, you know, Kal-El, he's now getting angry, and he's got all kinds of energy pouring out of his eyes, it's like, oh, this dude has, like, heat ray vision, seemingly, and, uh, you know, Kal-El is just like, we've reached the end game. And, uh, you know, Lex is just like, no, no, no. It's not the end for me. It's just the end of your life. And, uh, you know, they move along. It's a massive energy surge from the two of them going at one another. And uh, they're just like, what the hell is happening? And Jor-El's just like, Laura, Lois, are, are you okay? And, like, we think so. Like, we're, we're alive right now, right? Okay, good, because otherwise we're ghosts having a conversation. And, uh, you know, as they're hugging and, you know, just happy that one another are alive, uh, Lois is kind of standing around like, where's, where's Kal-El? This is, this is bad. To which we see Kal-El and Luther are just, they've laid waste to one another. They are, they are basically just meat hanging off of bones at this point. And Luther is just using the last vestiges of this power he's recently developed. And he's just like, you know... 
you know, uh, we're both, you know, Kalos is like, we're both going to die. So, you know, your plans aren't going to succeed. And Luthor's just like, no, it's not good enough that, that you die or I die. I, everyone needs to die. I'm, I'm going to use my mind fingers and re- reach in and rip, rip out your, your planet's rip your planet's heart out. And that's where we see the, the core of Krypton, uh, right here in this panel. And, uh, Lex is very clearly using his telekinetic abilities moving on <laughs> tells him you lose and Kal-El, uh, you can move to the next page. <laughs> Kal-El, uh, just like, what did you do? And that's when they realize like, you know, Kal-El's about to drop dead and all kinds of tremors start on the earth. And they're like, Oh no. It's a very, very good part, a very kind of uh, heartfelt part between him and Lara and, um, it's it's nice when they actually figure out what he was talking about. You're like, oh, okay. Yep. And uh, it's but as these tremors start ripping apart everything, Jor-El's right there, and he's like, Luther somehow destabilized the planet's core and set the chain reaction in motion again, which is the same chain reaction that Kal-El stopped in uh, Superman: Last Son of Earth, which is what we know of from our canon as what destroyed Krypton. Uh, so now. Krypton is about to explode again. And we go to the next panel and we see that Jorel is saying, we only have one chance and it's a small chance. And Lois is just like, what? You can stop the reaction? And he says, no, but we may have a means of escape. Mm. And we come to a rocket that's blue with a red tip, very familiar design. And, uh, you know, he's, she's, she's looking at it. She's like, even this thing, even if this thing will fly, which I'm not sure it will, I don't think there's enough room in here for all three of us. And Jorel says, its hyperdrive is primitive but functional. It will bear you and Lara safely to Earth. To which Lara replies, Jorel, please, I wish to remain here with you if we must perish. And he just stops it right there and says, No, you bear the last and only hope of Krypton survival, Lara. For the sake of all that was our world, you must go. And Lois just looks at Lara and goes, Krypton survival? I don't... And that's when Lara says, My husband and I have violated our culture's most stringent taboo, Lois Lane. And then we see the rocket take off, leaving Jor-El on the, on the surface of the planet Krypton as it's about to explode. We come to the last page, and it shows this rocket leaving the doomed planet Krypton. And we see Lara say at the very bottom of the page, I am carrying Jor-El's child. And that is the Superman last stand on Krypton Elseworld. They got busy with it. <laughs> oh, sure so the, the reason that Jor-El's dad was mad was because of sex. I get it now. Yep, that's it. But yeah, so it is kind of cool to see how through this entire story, um, it was really sort of just a delaying of the inevitable. We still had Krypton explode, and there is still going to be the offspring of Jor-El and Lara that is rocketed to Earth and will be raised there. Um, we don't know exactly how that's going to pan out. We, we would like to hope that he would be a good person and an inspiration to the civilization that he is going to be raised in. Absolutely. Uh, um, and one might even think that Laura may name the new child after Kal-El, her adopted son, in homage because of the hero that he was on Two Worlds. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's interesting. I like that they never went past this. They left it where it was and you can make all the headcanon you want past that point. Um, 
but overall I, I felt like it was a very very fitting ending to the story they had established initially in the first part uh superman last son of earth uh i hope you guys enjoyed it too yeah it, it's yeah. uh definitely the art was a lot better than the first one um but i i agree with you when you said this on the last show that the story on the last one was better i still enjoyed the story yeah it, it was definitely you know a great read um yeah it, it, i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah it, it's um like i said the the last one being a two-part prestige they had a little bit more room to to play around with some of the some of the story aspects uh and this one being a just a one-shot prestige format they they just cut right to the nitty-gritty as fast as they could um i just i like the idea of them playing around with some of the things that you know could would, you know get that skewed view and stuff and how we had mentioned like oh look they get exposed to radiation and you know kal-el basically becomes the hulk and lex luther becomes the leader and, and it's a fun it's a fun little like like mirroring of other characters stuff like that happens on both sides of the fence all the time he even got stronger as he got madder yeah exactly you know and uh yep. It also it, it also makes me think, and this is just my own thing. The uh, Silver Age comic of Superman um, back in the sixties. Well, I said Silver Age, so that yeah, duh. yeah, no, that but, would that would make sense. That would that would be that era, stupid. Uh, but there was this, um, you know, an imaginary tale where Superman looked into like the chronometer or whatever the hell it was in the Fortress of Solitude, and he gets to see what his life would have been like on Krypton had it never exploded. And in it, there's a, a, a professor who creates this, like, he's trying to work on some kind of modulation ray, blah, blah, blah. He gets exposed to it, as well as Kal-El's dog, Crypto, who uh, he had been watching. And it gives them superpowers, Superman's superpowers on Krypton. And he becomes a superhero on Krypton called Futuro. And um, Lois Lane lands on Krypton uh, with, she's like the first reporter to actually go on a manned space mission. They end up through a wormhole or whatever and land on Krypton. And by the end of it, Futuro and Lois Lane fall in love. He decides he's going to go back to Earth with her. And he finally reveals his true identity to his, you know, his best student and, you know, someone who grew to be his friend, Kal-El, and says, you are the type of person that should be here to protect Krypton and exposes him to the ray that he had created and gives him those same abilities. And he becomes Superman of Krypton. Um, and the idea is that like he went to earth and, you know, fell in love with and lived with Lois Lane and stuff. And it's, it's the same kind of feeling I get when reading this. Cause as a kid reading that story, I'm like, I want to know what happened when he got to earth. I want to know more there. And, you know, I've created all kinds of scenarios in my head over the years since reading it. Of when course, I was like, yeah, head cannon. Yeah. And, uh, became it's the super Superman. Yeah, I, I, I want to know how that pans out, you know, especially in Silver Age, because, like, that's a lot of fucking power. Uh, but this right here, I mean, to go from Krypton to an Earth civilization that's been influenced by the technology of Krypton, uh, and then to still have, like, Lois Lane know what the secret is here, like, how does that pan out by the time they touch down? Uh, you know, I, I feel like, especially because of what Jor-El and Lara went through on Krypton, uh, you know, she she would not be like anything like the the cold, uncaring Krypton Kryptonians, like you know her her um, father-in-law and all that shit. You know, like, there's a real good chance that you know Kal-El or whatever this new L baby, baby L, um, is gonna end up being a real force for good 
positive change uh, on the planet that he will adopt as his home. So, but you know, you can make of it what you will. Maybe, maybe in your your head, it, this is just like a precursor to a fucking Brightburn. I don't know, <laughs> or a precursor to like another almost exact Superman sort of story. Yeah, I mean, the, the the funny thing is, there are other stories that we we will cover later too that that do deal with um, the idea of like Jor El and or Lara uh, actually making it to Earth and like starting their family there um and, and how that affects uh, the entire planet um you know so that and that goes back like even as far as i mean i shouldn't say as far but one of the most effective ones that wasn't an elseworld but it's still like an imaginary tale kind of thing and it's done cleverly uh through like a, a fever dream from exposure to kryptonite uh it's like superman issue 27 i think uh from the, the 80s and uh, mike mcnola is actually the one that that drew it wonderful um, yeah, Hawkman brings. Uh, this is back when Hawkman was from the planet Thanagar and was all science fictiony and stuff. Oh, so uh, Hawkman too. Yeah, he uh, he brings Kal El to where Krypton once was, and they get there and they see like a giant glowing green planet, and Superman's like, "What the fuck?" And Hawkman's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa pal! It's not actually Krypton. It's it's like it's pulling all the fragments of itself back into its gravity." Uh, you need to stay in the room I put you in because it's lead-lined, and if you walk out of it, you're going to fucking die. And um, from there, like, Superman gets into a lead-lined uh, Hawk spacesuit to, like, just oh, kind of cool. like, be out near it. But because of the – even with that lead line, like, he, he's starting to be affected by the kryptonite, and he goes into a, a fugue state, a fever dream, and he has this whole, like, this whole vision – in his fever state where he's, he uh, envisions if Jor-El had been able to convince the science council and the council of elders rather to uh, let everybody leave in giant space arcs based off his initial design. And uh, they all land on earth and every Kryptonian becomes a super powered individual. It's, it's nightmarish and horrible. Uh, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, and Mike Mignola, like it was the first thing I ever saw of him. You know, I was a little kid and I, I still have that same issue uh, in one of my long boxes. And years later, when I first saw Hellboy, the first thing I thought was, wow, this reminds me an awful lot of that Superman book from when I was a kid. And I came to find out, oh, shit, that's the same exact guy. And not only that, Mike Mignola is the creator of what is considered to be the first official Elseworlds, Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, him so, with uh, editor Mark Wade. Yep, he exactly, exactly, and he has clearly always been interested in these alternate takes on some of these characters, and uh, I I dig and respect the hell out of that. You know, it's it's a lot of fun playfulness that you can have there, and um, I wish yeah, that, I I can't wait till we tackle that one because that is a great one. Yes, uh, man, it's. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, we have a lot of stuff in you know in the pipeline. So and there's a lot of fun stuff that we can we can be looking at for a, quite some time on both sides of the fence, DC, Marvel, and others too. Uh, but you know, it's it's always fun to to get into some of these more classic tried and true characters, especially with Superman, because um, there's not a whole lot of these stories necessarily that um, really focus on him as the character and, and not have him be like a bad guy. Um, so it, it's, it's really nice to see not just, um, a, a, an alternate take like this, but even in the midst of the tragedy at the end of the story, it still ends on a note of hope. Yeah. I was, I was kind of surprised that they had him die. 
you know, and even though he had a pretty decent death scene and he got his point across and it kind of saved everybody, but I was surprised. I'm like, wow, they just let him die like that. That was, uh, that I, was I think, unexpected. I think it's kind of cool though, because, um, for the intents and purposes of this story, yes, he was Superman, but by the time it ends, uh, we are left with, oh, there's going to be another Superman. Like, so it's not really, you know, you don't really feel like you're losing a character. It's like, oh, th- it's just the next step. And you know that that kid is going to be raised, uh, you know, knowing who Kal-El was and what he, what he sacrificed, what kind of person he was. That's going to be probably an ideal that's set for him. And hopefully, you know, it, he comes out of it the other or she comes out of it the other side. And um, they they are able to, you know, utilize all the good lessons imparted to them and the examples given to them and not be bitter about why people may assume that they should be like somebody else that was, you know, alive a long time before they ever were. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a lot of headcanon that you can go with and that's part of the fun of stories like this. So, you know, make, choose your own adventure gang at this point. And like I said, you know, even though this has that 1960s feel to it a little bit, it does come across a lot like planet of the apes at times. Yeah, you know, I can totally yeah, I can totally see that. That's that's a really good observation, man, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it wouldn't be out of place to be like, oh, it's a time loop. God damn you! <laughs> <laughs> I could dig on that. Um, but it, you know, it was it it was you know really great to see the impetus for this was the fact that um, he was able to start all of it, you know, get off Krypton because of another entity altogether and that is the green lantern core yes Um, yeah it's really great when you have stories like this that incorporate um other aspects of a wider universe but then don't dwell on it and have that take center stage for what the character's journey is it's just a means to an end uh and you know it's so really cool uh character design for the uniform when he was a green lantern and uh to have him give up that power to stay there on earth and then have this story come to fruition. It speaks to the type of character that Kal-El had developed. Uh, He cared more about people and being able to help them wherever he was truly needed, as opposed to sitting around and waiting as according to what the rules of the Green Lantern Corps was going to be. That's that right there is Superman through and through. It doesn't matter to me what you're saying about, what I can do or what you'll allow me to do. I'm going to do everything I can within my own power to make sure that everyone's okay. That is really, you know, bare bones, what the character of Superman is. And they, I think they absolutely nailed that. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's tricky to do when you, when you're trying to do a, you know, a different take, you know, you want to stay true to the character, make it something recognizable yet fun and different to a point where, You've never seen it before, and you can't emulate it after. So well, yeah, said. thank you. So yeah, that was uh, Superman: Last Stand on Krypton. I I hope uh, I hope everyone listening enjoyed our, our dissection of it. And if you're interested, you know, please track it down uh, so you can read through it yourself. Uh, it's it's a uh, very good artwork, and it goes great with the first part. Like I said, like I've mentioned many times, Superman: Last Son of Earth. Um, but yeah, aside from that, uh, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts before we close this out. Uh, no, I mean, if you're going to hunt it down, you know, definitely check your local comic shop. It's, uh, I'm sure there are probably, uh, 
might be able to find all three books, and they're probably not too astronomical in price. No, um, I I know I'm I'm in Massachusetts. Uh, I, my local comic book shop is New England Comics. Uh, it's a small comic book chain. There's several locations, uh, and also for for my myself in this area, if uh, if you are in Massachusetts or the New England area and you're relatively close to Salem, Massachusetts, I do recommend uh, for any kind of back issues, whether or not you're looking for Elseworlds or you're trying to just fill gaps in your collection, uh, check out Harrison's Comics and Collectibles uh, on Essex Street. They, uh, they, have, they are the largest um, comic book shop in the Northeast, from what I understand. Wow. I actually filled most of my Elseworlds collection by going there many, many times and just going through <laughs> everything they had. Um, you can also find some great stuff at um, Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles, also in Salem, uh, right there inside the, the Salem Mall. Uh, yeah, those those are some really great places to fill in gaps. And other than that, seriously, I know this might sound crazy, but when you're eventually able to go back to conventions, check out the stuff that people oh, yeah. bring with them because you can find some amazing stuff that they don't even realize they stuck in the bin and get it cheap. I got I, I got like five issues of Miracle Man that they did not realize they stuck in a wow. bin for a total of $17. And the guy who was selling it was so pissed <laughs> because <laughs> he, he, and the thing is, I could tell he, he did it. It wasn't anything you could blame any, anybody else for, but I was just like, Hey, uh, it says everything in this bin is blah, blah. And he's like, yep, I want these. And he was like, uh, Oh, <laughs> one of them was signed by Neil Gaiman guys. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah. It was like number 24. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he took over uh, that that uh, second run, I think, after yeah. Alan Moore. Yep, yep. Oh. It, but yeah, signed in, in like silver Sharpie on the cover. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> Not my problem, bro. Hopefully so. I'd be pissed too. Yeah. Thanks, Boston Comic Con. Uh, that was Boston Comic Con, by the way. Not Boston Fan Expo. It was a big difference. Uh, but yeah, um, th that's that's just like for this area, Massachusetts. Um, but if you are in New England, I do recommend uh, checking out some those two places for sure. Uh, you'll get a huge kick out of uh, Harrison's Comics and Collectibles. They have like everything there, statues and all kinds of uh, every fandom. Uh, and also it's in Salem, so you can you can make a day of it. You can go check out all kinds of stuff, witch museums, find the fucking house from Hocus Pocus and take a photo in front of it if you want. Uh, plus, there's some great historical stuff for like the author Nathaniel Hawthorne, who did like the Scarlet Letter, uh, and wrote the House of the Seven Gables. His his family house was the basis of House of Seven Gables, and it was a stop on the Underground Railroad. It's pretty cool. There's some secret rooms in the house, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, please by all means track these down physically. Ask your your local comic book shop dealer, um, and just just fill in the gaps of your collection man this is this this whole thing these these three parts i think is worth for any fan of superman or alternate reality tales to to uh obtain and own totally agree yeah i liked it yeah definitely Good. i'm glad you guys enjoyed it seriously and I, I like i said i hope everybody listening also enjoyed it um but yeah so we'll uh we'll wrap it up here um leo yes sir Tell everybody your deal, man. Uh, you know my deal. Just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. Uh, I run a little thing called the Dorkening Podcast Network. About 40 shows on a network. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff, including these guys, <laughs> uh, like Justin Cooper. What do you got going? 
uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, I, I, um, I run a podcast, uh, called geek life HQ with, uh, two, two friends of mine. It's just kind of some, some buddies that get together and like, just talk about geeky stuff. Usually we watch a lot of movies and all that, you know, and end up talking about the same movies over and over, but that's pretty fun. Got some big interviews coming up. So check that out. And, um, Epic tales from the sewers. So, uh, just getting over a really big interview with Kevin Eastman and uh, we are back on to our coverage of The Last Ronin. So another alternate tale of uh, an alternate reality. So uh, you could check that out. But uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's pretty much it. So Geek Life HQ, the podcast, and uh, Epic Tales from the Sewers, the podcast. Awesome. Excellent, excellent. And uh, I am Powerful Brandon. You can uh, please join me over at uh, the Facebook group Powers Combined. Uh, we're a bunch of geeks and dorks that just get together, have a good time, share some memes laughs and info our number one rule is don't be a jerk you will be booted immediately if you violate that uh you can follow me on twitter at brandon's powers and on instagram at this brandon has powers i appear on the dorkening wednesday night podcast at 9 p.m eastern standard time every week with leo and our good buddy steve and christina from the super retro throwback podcast and uh i am also helping out anywhere that leo friggin needs me to show up uh, and other than that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm right here, uh, bi-weekly and, uh, I am also doing, uh, the dork night where we talk about Batman comics with these fine fellows as well. Nice. For that, I'll catch you guys later. Bye. Adios.